You are listening to Flipping the Narrative. Come and flip with us. Welcome to another episode of Flipping the Narrative, the podcast where we talk about everything and anything and distill it through the prism of our Filipino-ness. You know, where we work it, put that thing down, flip it and reverse it. Together with my co-host, we'd like to welcome you to today's episode. I'm Bambina Olivares. Hi, we never get this right. Laura Veraglio, that's Luis Duterte. That's okay. me here, Luis. Hi, Bambina introduced us. How are you guys? Good week? Uh, Rainy. You know, on Monday, it was already a week. You know what I mean? It was just stop. So I am very happy to be here to be talking about this instead. In this uh, incredibly wet week, we are cozying <laughs> up in our corners um, to talk about religion and how religion has affected and affected our lives uh, as Filipinos uh, around the world. Um, religion is obviously a part that has permeated our society and our lives and our families as Filipinos. We have religion uh, reminders and signs um, everywhere we go and in our day-to-day lives. So as we keep on talking about what means to be a Filipino in 2021, religion is definitely part of that conversation. So that will be the topic for today. And uh, Bambina, would you like to introduce our guests? Flipping with us today are, um, well, we have both sides of the coin, I think. If uh, like We have ringside seats now too. Both sides of the of the fight. Well, no, it's not a fight. No, it's not a fight. It's not a fight. I'm using the wrong metaphors. But and that's two sides of the coin. I love it, Bams. Go. That's true. And then, but but this is not a fight. Okay, it just uh, sorry mixed metaphors. Um, so we have Father Arnold Aramis, who is described himself to me as kind of Augustinian Ignatian. Oh. And, <laughs> you said that. Talk father. about opposites. Um, Talk about opposites. <laughs> yes, opposites as well. So that's that's an interesting background. And um, he was for a time the parish priest at the diocese um, BGC at St. Michael's in uh, BGC. And now he is with the Diocese of Pasig. And um, on this side, we have a heavyweight champion, Red Tani of the Free Thinkers of the Philippines. Sorry, it's Olympic fever. Sorry, sorry. Olympic fever. Red is uh, one of the co-founders and um, was co-president for for many years of Filipino Free Thinkers organization. His wife is actually now the president of the group. And he's advocated um, critical thinking, evidence-based legislation, Religious freedom and other human rights since 2009, when Filipino Freethinkers was founded. The ad- their advocacy has always been featured in the international and Philippine media, receiving awards such as the Globe That Award and the Rappler Do More Award. His advocacy continues as a representative in the RH Law National Implementation Team. As a founding member of Philippine Safe Abortion Advocacy Network, as part of various organizations working on sexual and reproductive health and rights, feminism, gender equality, and freedom of speech and religion. He is also the Advocacy and Communications Director of Engage Media, a nonprofit that promotes digital rights and social issue documentary in the Asia Pacific. Go to engagemedia.org and filipinofreethinkers.org. Awesome sites. Check them out if you want like interesting ideas and sort of um, in-depth explorations into these topics. So welcome, welcome to the two of you. Thank you for having me here. This would be an interesting afternoon. 
<laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> uh, nice meeting you here, Ben. Uh, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. Laura and Bambina. Thank you, Father, for joining us. And thank you, Red. I think, you know, we wanted to talk about this. I think it, it's very pertinent because Philippine, Filipinos, well, 99% of the population are affiliated with one religion or another. And maybe let's say 1% who are non-religious at all or atheists. And to be Filipino seems to be intertwined with being Catholic or Christian. I mean, Muslims to a certain extent, right? That that's a smaller, that's a minority. So you know, we were thinking about it. A lot of Filipinos don't really question their faith. I feel that like they're born into a religion because their parents were Catholic, let's say, or Christian, and they're baptized. They don't really they go into Catholic schools, um, and they don't really tend to question it. So they accept it kind of as as a status quo and something that I think, in a way, they're also raised to believe that to question it is somehow, you know, a heresy. So they grow up and then thinking that, you know, that's just the way it is. And then they pass on the religion to their children and all that. And the question is, how much a part of Philippine identity is that religion, that Christian religion, you know, and can we be Filipino without it? Maybe. I just like to respond to that. Of that to be like, it's kind of like saying that to be Filipino is to be straight or to be cisgendered, or to be able-bodied, right? Like, just because, like, there are a few of us does not make us any less Filipino. I think mm-hmm. um, uh, at the end of the day, like, it's, uh, like, where we're born or where we live or what ethnicity, culture we identify with rather than, like, uh, religion. So, yeah, just, just uh, throwing it in there. I would like to also say my piece. The topic about religion is not really exclusive of Filipino identity. Mm-hmm. I would rather say religion is associated with humanity. Mm-hmm. And uh, fundamentally, we speak about religion as a set of beliefs, norms, rules that you can follow. So it is not to be associated alone with Filipino. So we begin with, uh, fundamentally, we begin with religion as a set of beliefs. It happens that in the Philippines, Predominantly, we have the Roman Catholics, and it has a background also. Mm-hmm. It has a background. But look, religion is part of our humanity that as we progress, religion, a set of beliefs, somehow evolves in our interiority. Because as Luis have mentioned earlier, religion is already on the level of personal. Religion is not to be associated fundamentally with institution. It is only in the later part that we can speak of religion as institution because there is a set of beliefs. But in terms of our humanity, when we speak of being free thinkers, religion is actually following a set of beliefs, a set of norms. I'll just respond to that um, in the same way that I responded to the opening statement in that it doesn't make you any less human if you don't have a religion. A lot of people around the world have no religion at all, and it doesn't make them any less human. Unfortunately, um, it is an ongoing problem in the world that people are treated as less than human if they don't adhere to a certain religion, uh, depending on that country. Um, Sometimes you're 
persecuted for not believing in Catholicism. Sometimes you're not persecuted for not believing in Islam. Um, and right. in unique situations, you're also persecuted for having a religion at all. Um, so a belief is common to humanity. Having a religion is not a necessity um, for humanity. So what's interesting to me, and we were talking about this, I think Luis touched on this when he started by saying, you know, it's such a personal thing. And I think many people find so much power, comfort, centeredness, love, you know, a, play, a safe space where they can grieve and find strength in religion. But as many people, if we're really looking beyond the Philippines, find the same things in meditation, in um, philosophy, right? In gardening. Like, I think, therefore, yeah, the shared humanity is in, in exploring our sense of belonging, exploring our kindness to each other, exploring. Because we have to get along with each other, right? Biologically, it's an evolutionary need. If we don't have empathy, we as a species are not particularly fantastic out of the womb. We're extremely vulnerable. We need the tribe, right? To look after each other. So I get how all of this, the spirituality, the sense of belonging, all of that is very much in our biological core, where I think it starts to warp. And this might be more what you were talking about, Red, no? Is that, and also, Father, when you talked about religion becoming an organizing tool, right? When it starts becoming an organizing tool, and then it starts excluding, right? You're less human because you're of a different whatever. You need to be punished and ostracized or flogged <laughs> from back in the day because you belong to another. I think that's somewhat where we get into some hot yes. water humans, no? I yeah. think uh, it might, if I may go back to red, I think I, 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 I tend to approach the reality of not having face or face affiliation, being atheist or uh, being affiliated or associated with one religion, not really as a problem, but it is part of our progress growing up and then becoming mature. Because mm -hmm. in the past, probably you were condemned, you are persecuted when you are not associated with a particular faith or set of beliefs. Uh, but then for us who are here, uh, giving now the chance of a liberal approach to life and progressive, we can actually think of it as part of our evolution so that we can become, we can uh, uh, present a structure of inclusivity. Yeah. Because it, 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 it's important now that we are inclusive. That really, yeah, that yeah. Can I, I want to, I, I'd like to uh, Louis, raise please, hand, God. raise hand here, raise hand here, because I, I, I'd like to take it again a step back in terms of the, the primal needs as humans, right? Yes, we're in 2021. But if we go really back, uh, you know, in, in time, um, I think that uh, th there is a common need, I think, in the human beings to, um, to leave a legacy, right? And I'm, I'm really trying to choose words very clearly because um, we want to make sure that we pass on something to people who are here when, when we go that are left behind. The need for believing in something bigger than us is at the core of being human. I think um, in general, that, at least that's for me. I do think that in general, we, we look for um, a reason of being and a reason that takes us forward somehow. 
Um, at, at the core of all of this, again, I, I do like to believe that we are part of something that's much larger. Universe, spirit, God, um, we can call it in very different ways. But at the end of the day, I think we do all have that inside us. With evolution, Laura, and to your point, I think things might have been sort of misunderstood, misconstrued, or organized very well to make sure that there was a, an agenda behind um, power and, and, and getting groups of people behind a specific way of thinking. That's where I think religion then became what we are now talking about as quote-unquote an evil um, and not the set of beliefs that Arnold was oh. talking about a while ago, right? Anybody yes. Wait, hang on, hang on. No one said it was evil, but I mean, religion per se though, sorry, Father Arnold, <laughs> I just, I don't mean to correct you, but religion per se is not a set of beliefs. Religion is actually an institution. Religion, in a way, excuse the militaristic um, analogy, but religion is the weaponization of the beliefs and institutionalization of them for a particular Power. objective, I suppose, yeah. in a way, um, you could say it, it is a political institution. If you look at how Jesus, if going back to Jesus and all that, how the Christian church evolved. I mean, Jesus was not seen as a religious figure. He was seen as a political um, subversive, right? Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just saying that there is a difference. Faith and religion are not the same thing as well. And belief. Yep. And religion are also not the same thing. Yeah, I'd also like to respond to this notion of religion being a purely personal thing. Like, it is quite a privilege if you can live a life where you notice that religion is just personal. Religion is very political. Um, it was mentioned already that it's a lot about power. Like, the power, the, the, like, we notice it. It's very palpable in countries, especially like the Philippines, neighboring countries like Indonesia, for example. There are things that you cannot simply do at risk of um, ostracization or even death um, because mm -hmm. of religion and its uh, power grip on humanity. So sure, it's very personal, but if you live a life where, okay, it's, uh, it's my opinion and you can't do anything about it, that's quite the privilege. In many places in the world, it's still quite political. It's all about power. In the Philippines, for example, many of the human rights issues that uh, my organization has been working on has been stalled because of um, the hold of the Catholic um, hierarchy in the Philippines. Uh, women's rights in terms of divorce, um, access to safe and legal abortion, marriage equality. Um, there, there's contraceptives. Like We're only making progress on that. Sex education hasn't even been sorted properly yet. So there's still a lot of progress to be made, but uh, make no mistake about it. Religion is not just personal, very much political, and there are issues about it that need to be seriously addressed. And people enjoying it as just a purely personal matter, that's quite the privilege. I think uh, it is also important that we set right from the start how we define religion. Because if we were to discuss now the extensions of the utilization of religion, I agree with you that it has been used as a weapon in politics and perhaps in some legislations. But then, what is the fundamental understanding of religion? If it is to be applicable to faith, okay, then we can go to other extensions, how faith is 
helping the person evolve. But fundamentally, as I have said, my basic uh, understanding of religion, as it is as it is found by most of us, is a set of belief or beliefs, norms. Now, how do we make use of our religion? Okay, we have the the, the Muslims. That is a religion. But what are the set of beliefs of the Muslims? What are the set of beliefs of uh, Roman Catholics? What are the set of beliefs of the, the, of the Buddhists, Buddhism, and all others? Now, if we find some kind of meaning in this set of beliefs, we claim belongingness to this religion. We claim belong, belongingness. And by extension, how do we make use of these belongingness under the so-called religion where we follow set of beliefs? rules, regulations, and orientations. So with that, uh, earlier I said, if we have a common understanding of uh, religion as a set of beliefs, then we will be moving towards the objective of inclusion. Because religion, by set of rules and beliefs, may exclude people, as uh, uh, Laura said earlier, because there is a point of belonging, belongingness or the spirit of belongingness. But then, by extension, religion really is sometimes taken into abuse that some members of the religion can take advantage. Oh, I belong to this uh, faith. And then, therefore, as I run for a government office, then my, my fellow believers in the same religion should support me. But then the set of values of, an, of the individual person may actually not allow the person to get the support of others. So I would like to uh, lay down what I feel that religion first and foremost, for us to belong, to claim belongingness, for us to belong, uh, to belong uh, as members, we understand, I understand religion as a set of beliefs, as a set of formation, as a, as a set of rules and regulations. But then how does this religion being used as a weapon mm. to protect oneself? Laura? Yeah, so, okay. Sort of following that train of thought, because I think <laughs> within five minutes, we've all kind of talked about a lot of stuff with religion. And I think <laughs> <laughs> we touched quite a freaking bit, right? Notice how I said frickin' Bambina, because uh -huh. talking about religion and my Catholic girl upbringing is like, shut up, don't cuss. So first thing I want to say is, you know, to me in my head, this is just how it works, right? Spirituality is one thing. This, this questioning of something bigger than ourselves. I do think that is a fantastic human gift. It is about spirituality, though, and it may be a very individualistic thing and may actually want to reject religion. I'm going to explore this thing on my own. I don't want any of you. This is my own thing. But I have this sort of spiritual journey that I want to be on. I do think that because of that yearning, curiosity, whatever, whatever, many people who maybe shared a similar belief, set of beliefs or curiosity or whatever, then formed themselves into organized units where they found a home, safety, et cetera, et cetera. I do think that then that was weaponized and turned into governing forces when it needed to be, right? And many of the religious beliefs that we take for granted now, say, in, in, if I'm not mistaken, in Judaism, where you can't eat pork was because of trichinosis, right? 
um, pedophilia, for it, not like I'm condoning that either, but a lot of that really had very real practical applications in life. Why you had to purify the animal in halal and all these things. It was a matter of controlling disease. So I do think that as humanity grew, industrialized societies and all this, we were looking for governance. Now that we've gotten to a point where there's such a blurred line in some countries more than others between religion and governance, I think really touches on what Red was saying earlier. Now, okay, it's one thing if the church evolves to say women are great, <laughs> but you know, you can't get a divorce. Or I read a wonderful article recently, I think it was the New Yorker talking about Catholic women who were desperate to become priests. And it really is just not a cool thing so far. But there is actually a burgeoning movement of women priests who are Catholic. They don't want to be Anglican. They want to be Catholic female priests, right? Um, so yeah, so to me, it's an interesting thing because there's, there's, there are different angles to religion, diba? But if we're talking just about being Filipino, is there space for me as a Filipina who wants to question the governance of it? who wants to embrace LGBTQ, trans, you know, rights and reproductive rights and all that. For my daughter growing up as a Filipina, can I tell her, yes, there's room for you to question these things. And you don't have to be Roman Catholic if you don't want to. I'd be curious to know about that. Diba? To, be a, uh, to be a Filipino is not to be necessarily a Roman Catholic. There you go. Okay. Okay. Second, be a Filipino in search of meaning of life, one can be in one religion or one may embrace a set of beliefs, formation, orientation of life. In the end, as Louisa uh, said, at the end of the day, you are to be responsible for what you have embraced as a mother of your growing up, growth, progress, orientation. Oh, father, I'll ask you then. So do you yeah. think you're a minority in that position, in that perspective what, of your what do you mean minority do you think that most catholic priests in this country would look at me and say sure your daughter should question these things because to be filipino is not to be roman catholic okay that's a very good question actually if you notice and observe the orientation now of the catholic church is towards inclusion Towards inclusion, because the kingdom of God, if we were to, if we were to approach uh, it that way, in the perspective of Roman Catholic Church, the gospel is for everyone. Okay? So, second, the uh, religion that you speak about as the Roman Catholic in the Philippines is an open window for one to belong and for one not to belong. Okay? Hmm. But then... If an LGBT would like to, 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 to approach the window in terms of his or her or it, the belongingness, its belongingness to the fold, that person is open because the Roman Catholic, that, that person is uh, open to enter because the Roman Catholic Church is actually towards inclusion, integration in a community of diversity. It's just that. The Roman Catholic Church is just that the Roman Catholic Church is actually uh, being marked as exclusive. That is why earlier I established that the Roman Catholic Church as a religion has set of beliefs, virtues, spirits, orientation, and all others. 
It's just like the bias is there. That because you are a Roman, a Roman Catholic, you cannot do this, you cannot question, you cannot challenge. It's really like that, diba? Like we know something is really like that. As I have said, as you have said. In practice. I have something to add there. Earlier, kasi, what we would like to, what we would like to portray is the Catholic Church is not opening up windows to others. Right now, as as we think, as we think of the, uh, as we think of not just the 21st century, but as we think of the growth, progress, and movement of people in the pews in the Catholic Church, we're starting now to be inclusive. In the past, perhaps people were condemned that you wear uh, a man's uh, a man's dress that is not supposed to be yours. You were condemned, but now. The understanding is towards inclusion, integration in a diverse community. But Father, okay. there are places you still can't go to church or, or they won't give you communion if you're wearing spaghetti straps. I see it in the schools. Like, you know, my niece was in Assumption and I picked her up one time and there was a sign there saying, no wearing this, no wearing that. I mean, is it really disrespectful to wear spaghetti straps to church or shorts? I mean, I don't I, think so. I think Bambina right. is, is more on discipline. Discipline. So discipline, like you go to a party, uh, dressing up the appropriate way. The church is not actually opposed to this kind of things. But what we advocate is putting up your outer garments in such a way that you present yourself appropriately to the occasion. Red wants to say something. <laughs> Let's go to Red. I'll, I'll use a very recent example to illustrate um, what I think about the Catholic Church and what I've mentioned so far about power and politics. Um, in Canada right now, I don't know if you're paying attention to the news there, um, churches are burning. And the reason churches are being burned in Canada is the the open secret that um, residential schools have been raping, torturing, burying indigenous children and covering all of that up um, recently came to light. Like it's been proven without a doubt. Um, they, they're still finding bodies um, now. So let, let's look at the Catholic Church response to this. A lot of people want the Catholic Church, which is a global institution, to apologize. Uh, Justin Trudeau said that um, Pope Francis should go to that country and uh, apologize to all of the victims and their families. Some are still alive. Some witnesses are actually still alive. Um, who makes that decision? Like, is there going to be a vote where Catholics around the world can vote? Yeah, I want um, my church to officially apologize. No, there's not going to be a vote. It's very like a monolithic undemocratic like it's, yeah undemocratic it's not a democracy like the, uh, it's an it's a theocracy it's an authoritarian um, religious institution um there can there are many uh jesuits who would want uh, pope francis to um apologize but they don't really have power when it means uh when it, it, it when it really is important um when you go to the un and i have been in one of these events like the commission on the status of women, for example, there's a block composed of the Vatican and the conservative Islamic blocks trying to block progress constantly on women's rights and LGBT rights. Mm. So the average Catholic has no say about this. Like there can be marketing campaigns about how inclusive 
um, Pope Francis is and the Catholic Church is. But when it really comes down to it, when you go to the UN, when you go to the legislation, the people who have the ears of our congressmen and senators, like they will always use the the Vatican line, which is quite progressive at the end of the day. Like there can be token moves towards progress, but th- th- there are really blips um, in the radar. Uh, for the most part, um, th- there's a lot that the Catholic Church needs to atone for, um, not just the, the recent uh, revelations in Canada, but the global cover-up of child abuse, um, pederasty mm-hmm. as well, not just children, right? Um, and also non-abuse. Um, Vatican's re- recently um, admitted that a lot of priests have been raping nuns and forcing them to get abortions, for example. Like, if it were any other institution, there would be a global boycott. Like, they would be canceled with a T. Um, but that's not happening, maybe because we there's inertia. And there's real consequences in some, in some places. Like I mentioned, we don't want to offend our parents or grandparents who will think of themselves as failures if we are less than Catholic. Um, so, so yeah, uh, I, I know that this is really about a free-flowing conversation, but my work on, on human rights really like forces me to mention these very important things about power and politics. May I say something about what Red has just uh, said? And for everyone, I think we should also be conscious of, if we say the church, and we are just referring to the Catholic Church, this is not in defense of the institution where I am part of it, but take a look at it in totality there are many churches in the world there are there are religions identified for faith affiliation now in terms of abuses if we if we may speak about the abuses committed by the church as an institution as individually represented by the clergy there is already an enormous amount of efforts from the holy father and if we are just conscious of the reforms of the holy father being Institute being instituted in different parts of the of uh, the world, him being the universal leader of the Catholic Church of more than two thousand two billion people, it would be good for us to temper how things are happening, how we see things according to our perspectives. And if you go UN, we understand that UN is not actually influenced by religion, by their but the political influence of the leaders composing. The United Nations. And thirdly, without actual institution in matters of faith, we cannot just also just zero in in the Catholic Church for the abuses against humanity and against human rights. Because outside the Catholic Church, if we were to account the many abuses against women, against men, against LGBT, against human rights, it's just as enormous as what we are facing right now. Think of those pastors, not to attack them or to put these things as a matter of right righteousness. Think of, if, if you go through the reports of these uh, pastors in outside the Catholic Church, they have been actually taking abuse of their authority and of their power. So looking at it in an objective way, we can speak of the world that has actually put stress and burdens to humanity either coming from political leaders, from the church leaders. But what is important in terms of approaching the problem is the Catholic Church has actually approached it in such a way that we atone for our failures from our uh, brother priests. But then mercy is not actually 
it's not actually territorial because the mercy of the Lord is universal and, bound, uh, and without bounds. And so it is not the prerogative of one in terms of an institutional uh, mercy that I have to ask permission from the Holy Father to uh, forgive these sins. But on my own, I can ask okay. it. I can ask for Before it. Before we go to Louis, because I want to make sure we don't try to solve all religious questions today. That's correct. <laughs> because it's a long discussion. So I want to make sure that we, look, Mira, I can say all these things about, well, shit, I want an apology from everybody. Don't get me wrong. When I want an apology from one, I want another and I want restitution and I want all of this. I want reparations from the Spanish for taking all my resources and everything. But I do think we don't have enough time to really, really focus on, say, the institution, the history, et cetera, et cetera. What might be, this is a suggestion, okay? And everyone take it as, not, as what it is. Again, we're talking about what it means to be a Filipino struggling with the question of religion. Truly, I still think a lot of young Filipinos, Bambina mentioned a young girl in Assumption, for example. She might grow up thinking that she is the devil and a temptress because she has to hide her body, right? Which is how I kind of felt about it in Saints. So I guess for me, the question I have for everybody here, as Filipinos now, and, and actually, I'll just repeat the question Red asked all of us earlier before Father came in. Who here is religious or spiritual? How do we practice that? What was your evolution as a human being, as a Filipino, to where you are today? My whole question behind this is, and understanding this, um, for somebody growing up asking questions, when you have all of this information, um, I think what's important and we have not spoken about is accountability at the right time. So if we go back to the issue of the abuses of the priests with minors, with nuns, et cetera, et cetera, it took somebody to expose the church for the Catholic church to at some point then decide, I am going to say something about this. I grew up with the legionaries of Christ. I met Father Marcial Maciel. And they hid everything he did for the biggest amount of time. This has nothing to do with religion. This has to do with an institutionalized group of people who are covering up shit power. that hurts people and power. And this is all about the structures that want to keep things power structures, right? So yeah. I need to take this back to accountability, not religion, not Where? anything else, because I'm growing Where up. Where are you now? Where are you now? Because no, because the thing is, see, I am, I am enough of a free thinker mm. that I, I love my Catholic religion and I know what God and the Pope and everybody wants to do. I can question this. Right. 89%, 90% of the Filipino community has been given pills to swallow because we don't have education. We don't have exposure. We don't have the families to actually create an environment of free thinking the one that I did have that allowed me to say, my parents said, yes, you can use contraceptives because you're not going against God. Yes, you can wear um, spaghetti straps because you're not offending God. Jesus would never come to you and say, what are you doing? Who defines what is correct or not correct dressing, Father Arnold? Okay. Is it you? I mean, sorry. So the issue is we go back to who defines the power structures. 
And who sets out the definitions of what is proper or not? And to this day, it's Catholic male priests up there who decide this. This is not inclusion. We have no women. We don't have homosexuals in the priesthood that are out to talk about this, although we know that they, they exist and, and could, could happily have a life. We do not have couples that exert this and express their loves within uh, a community, right? So I do understand that the Catholic as a term means to be open and receptive and right, loving. The issue is, is it being quick enough to merit that one point X number of billion people will react to it properly? Because we know that the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So are these intentions good enough and quick enough? And nobody's questioning the intention as it is, but... But Lou, I'm going to be selfish here and go back to my question too, because I think you're, you and Red, everyone's bringing up really, really good points. But again, we can't sit here and question the Catholic Church because this, is, this will be a 10-hour discussion. And I don't think the Monoso Father Arnold can answer for the entire Catholic Church, okay? He represents Absolutely. a very particular experience at this. But so I, I am really honestly curious. You said, I love my Catholic world, my people, whatever. Yeah. And yet you really went on this very impassioned questioning and, and holding to accountability of this history and all that stuff. Absolutely. How do you, like, what is your process as a gay man, lucky enough to have been born into such a loving family, such open Jesuit priests? How did you get to a point of, yeah, I can still consider myself Catholic, but I'm not going to let you with that. Like, no, I'm hold because I look. I think I look at what, what Arnold was saying a while ago, which means I go back to the, the basic philosophy of what Catholicism stands for. Mm. I don't look at the organized structure that has become the Catholic Church. If I go back to the evangelization, if I go back to, um, sorry, not the evangelization, I'm sorry, I'm translating from Spanish. Um, if I go back to the Gospels, if I go back to the teachings, um, I go back to that. And that's what keeps me there. I, I am not actually, and, and it's funny because again, to many Catholics, I would be out, right? Mm. I consider myself a Catholic in, in, the, in the spirit and in the basic philosophy of what Catholicism means. I probably would be thrown out by 99.9% .9 of the Catholic um, faith, maybe less nowadays. But the reality is, um, I've gone through also in, in my self-questioning to all of these other types of religions. And at the end of the day, I like what Catholicism in spirit and in, in its base represents. I do not like the Catholic human organization and what it's done with those tenets and with those philosophy in, in, in Catholicism. Okay, thank you. That's Advanced. me. Yeah, yeah no, I'm curious. I really am sincerely... Curious, Aren't yeah. they universal humanistic values? Wouldn't that be the basis of it? Does it actually have to be Catholic? Right? So, Babs, I mean, consider yourself Catholic or religious or what? Oh, I'm, I'm a total atheist. <laughs> Sorry, Father Arnold. No, no, no. That's okay. Right. I'm the Jose Saramago school. That's like, I, I, and this is a really bad translation, but he, he wrote that. Um, Man invented God and in the end, you know, ended up fearing his own invention. And that's what I see. I maybe wouldn't even say I'm an atheist. 
because that maybe sounds so severe. I would say I'm a humanist and maybe a free thinker to that extent, right? But I I started out as a Catholic. Obviously, I was born. I had no choice in it, you know. And um, my parents, I was baptized and all that. And and everything, you know, the total bourgeois Catholic existence, the right schools, Jesuit University, blah, 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 go to mass every Sunday with the family and all that. And and um, and then I ended up, I, I remember I was even in Paris. I went to school in Paris for, for many years and I would do first Friday mass. I lived, I, you know, there was a time when I lived in the, between two churches and I would go to mass every, every Sunday, every Friday or whatever, you know, as much as I could. And then when I was getting divorced, you know, I was in South Africa and my divorce was taken a long time. I actually used to go every, like almost every day to say the rosary at the St. Teresa's church, you know, uh, St. Teresa of Lisieux, right? And I would go every day and all that. And then one day it just like, you know, clicked. I, I was at a, I, my, my kids had gone to an Anglican school and there was a service for, for Easter. And the priest started saying, oh, you know, my child, God listens to you and everything. And, and I was like looking at everyone and my ex-husband was there, right? I mean, I could see his balding head peeking out of the congregation. Oh, and balding head. Like Easy with that, huh? Easy with that. Easy with that. <laughs> Let me get that in. <laughs> no, and the thing is like, okay, which child is God listening to, right? I mean... He's probably asking for a different result from the, the divorce and custody hearings, right? So, you know, who's, who makes the judgment here? Who's, who's the better person and the more deserving person? So it started this whole, you know, um, chain of thoughts. And at the same time, I read two books that were very, very, you know, that had changed my entire perspective. And one was actually meant to convince in favor of the Catholic um, religion. I read, you might remember, um, he's a Jesuit priest. What Jesus really meant. I'll, I'll look it up in, in a bit. And then I read at the same time as I read um, Richard Dawkins, right? Um, the God Delusion. And, and I was already reading a lot of, of Christopher Hitchens as well uh, at the time. So, sorry, but, you know, Dawkins and Hitchens won me over. And it made perfect sense to me. It really did. And at the end of the day, it's the values that you hold dear and how you, you know, you're in a way that's actually quite Christian, right? Your, your life has to be a testament to your values. That's supposedly the Christian ideal. But, um, you know, and I just thought, well, I don't, you know, it's not religion. It's not the answer. I don't even believe in God per se. And, and I'm actually really, really proud that I have raised free thinkers. My daughters don't cling to any religion. And it's there for them if they want. I'm not going to stop them. They, neither of them were baptized. And they're also very proud of it. They're very proud of being independent thinkers. I mean, I realize that I live in a country where religion is all around you. Catholicism is all around you. And you're expected to, there are rituals you're expected to attend. My mother died and I had to do the whole nine days of the novena and, and all these masses. And, and in fact, I, you know, I would say, I was thinking in my head, she had the last laugh because she knew I was an atheist, but she still made me go to mass after she died for nine straight days. You know what I mean? But of course I don't begrudge anyone their faith. Right. I mean, I understand. I, I, I've attended more novena masses and funerals, sadly, during this pandemic than I ever have before. Right. On zoom. And, you know, and it's fine, but I, I feel that I have friends, my love dearly I've grown up with and everything. And they say things like, you know, I really don't care if my daughter marries you know, a Protestant or even a Muslim, but, you know, they have to have, 
they have to believe in God. They have to believe in a God. And, you know, I think, why? Why? Why do you have to believe in one? Do you need that to determine the way you behave? You know, you don't need that, really. I think it's also part of the evolution. Like maybe it, it, in a way, I know it's hardwired into our DNA to, to believe in something. But I think that's more not a belief in any amorphous thing, but a search for meaning really in your life is what it is. That's what I believe. My, my kids, I remember one of my kids was here. I mean, my kids are abroad, right? So one of my kids was doing an internship here. And, you know, they're, you know how they are. They're very friendly and all that. And she came out saying, Miss so-and-so said this and Sir so-and-so said that. I said, please don't call them Miss and Sir, but that's a different story. And then she says, she said, Mom, you know, they were asking me one time. We were, we were in the break room and we were having coffee. And, and they said, oh, um, so what do you guys do on Sundays? Oh, nothing. We just hang out. I don't know. We just, you know, my mom just reads maybe and together. No, I mean, you know, you don't do anything. Don't you go to mass? She goes, Oh no, my mom's an atheist. And like, she like really cringed. And like, it was almost like, Oh my God, your mom's a Satanist, which is like, if you understood what atheism really meant, it's not even believing in the devil. It's you don't believe in any gods, period. Full stop. Right. Okay. So question. And uh, let's strip this down now. Loud to your point, I'm on your side as well. So the thing is, to me, what's really important is, let's say we strip off religion of Filipinos. Okay, I'm going to ask each one of you, if we strip the concept of religious expression, how much percentage of ourselves as Filipinos do we strip off of our, our lives? And how much do we strip off of our ability of being human beings, not just Filipinos? If we took away our religious um, ness, <laughs> call it something. Yeah, just to add um, potential answers to that question, like you're asking us to imagine a place where, like, religion is rare. Like it's the opposite of in the Philippines where it's predominant. Like imagine mm-hmm. a place where most people um, have no religion, don't believe in God. Um, use science and philosophical values to to determine their lives. So imagine such a world, right? Like if you ask that question of the average Filipino, they'll probably think, oh, crime must be rampant. There's rape and murder everywhere. Uh, that would probably be what the average Filipino would answer. But um, us here in this room and um, a lot of people know that there is a living experiment. It's called Scandinavia. And uh, Norway, Sweden, Denmark. Yeah, Denmark. uh, Yeah, like uh, those are the happiest, healthiest, most evolved places in the world. Like crime is at its lowest, murder is at its lowest. Um, The yeah, human development index. I've I've mentioned this. All of the measures of societal and individual well-being are the highest in the places where religion is the lowest. So I hope that uh, that sinks in. Um, so how much would that it change Filipinos if we lost our religion? Like that would be a hard experiment to pull off. But um, a good question to follow up with as well is: Would it be a bad change? Would it be a change for the worse? Um, and yeah, think of Scandinavia. It's my answer. No, it's 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 more red. I think my point was: um, I think if we if we were stripped of our religion, we would lose an incredible proportion of our sense of selves. Exactly. That's my question. That's my that was my question. And, and it's not a good thing or a bad thing, right? Is, again, we take it back. I mean, 
we are, it's, this is called flipping the narrative. And we're trying to talk about how we are Filipinos and what defines us as Filipinos in different worlds, right? And so obviously there is no one type of Filipino. We've already established that. So we can also use a religion to define us as Filipinos because again, we have, you know, an incredible portion of, of Muslim brethren that are, are part of who we are in the diaspora of being Filipino. Um, and that indigenous. pepper us with, and the indigenous people that actually pepper us with the fun stuff um, of us being who we are. Um, sorry, I mean, in a, in a nice way, not the traditional squared box. Like uh, a lot of the, the definition of, of, of who we can also become and celebrate. And so that's my question, right? I mean, there's no way of defining a, a particular Filipino. But I do think that possession of religion is something that is very closely held by most of Filipinos. I mean, it's a, it's a brute fact. It, like, there's no way to change our history um, any other way. The centuries yeah. of, um, like, it's a moot point, actually. Like, um, how do you even begin to answer that question? What does um, removing Catholicism from the Philippines mean? Do you forcibly make them a different religion or atheist? Like, there's, there's really no way that I can think of answering that question because um, the matter of fact remains that we were under like Spanish rule for centuries and we really had no choice about it until, and, and this is something that I would like to emphasize as well, we were given secularism by um, Apolinario Mabini, right? Um, in our first constitution, like we became a secular country, not a Catholic country, but officially it's still enshrined in our constitution that there's supposedly separation of church and state. And even Father Bernas, who is uh, a religious person, mentioned that what this means is that um, the law, um, the Philippines, should not favor religion uh, of Catholicism over other religions or religion period over not having a religion. Like um, our constitution says one thing, but of course in practice our politicians are quite theocratic, unfortunately. Yeah. Right. So okay, again, no, yes, going back to personal, personal story, and then and then father, I'll get you in yeah. one second. But I wanted to push this a little bit with red, because again, ostensibly we don't, we're not trying to push necessarily anything here. What my hope would be a Philippine ex person who is nervous about questioning, or do you have kids by any chance? Okay. So how do you talk to your kids about this? I'm curious, right? Because I, I expressed earlier, and I'll share again later, how I have decided to raise my children. Bambina shared, also Luis has shared, how he has come to terms with the history of Catholicism and his life and still found love there or whatever. I'm curious for someone who is an atheist, who is so clearly a critical theorist. I was a critical theorist, by the way, also in my, in my youth, in a previous right. lifetime. I get it, right? Um, but so I, I'd like to hear and, and see maybe there are other questioning people out there who can learn, you know what, I can be okay. this and still raise my kids like this, you know? I have a nice um, children's, we're talking about children anyway, children's fairy tale to answer that question. Um, we are in a Goldilocks country, I think, when it comes to like doubting our faith, doubting religion. I, I say Goldilocks because there are certainly places like Indonesia where it is illegal to say bad things and try to convince people to leave Islam. Apostasy is a punishable crime there. Um, it's illegal to be an atheist as well. Um, wh whereas there are countries like, uh, like I mentioned, right? Uh, Scandinavia, in Asia, we have countries like Japan, South Korea, mm. um, even Taiwan, um, and so on, where 
um, it's very easy. Like, and almost the default, if you profess religiosity in those countries, people will be like, are you sure? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, that, that, that's a, an interesting um, flip of the narrative in their countries. But I, I say Goldilocks because in the Philippines, it's not so hard. You won't be thrown in jail. You won't be killed um, for the most part. Um, of course, there are still unique um, circumstances. Um, but it's also not easy. Like, um, there are disowning of um, family members who profess atheism that do happen. Uh, there are, like, oh, you, you don't. Yeah, social ostracism, like all of our um, government forms as a religion, as a required field in there. Um, you are, there's prejudice against you. You mentioned the Satanist angle as well. Um, you might be a rapist. Uh, you might be a murderer if you're, uh, if you're an atheist and, and so on. So, so there are that. Uh, but let me also say that the default experience for most people um, is when you doubt, there's something wrong with you. It's like you're sick. Like when you're sick, what do you do? You go to the hospital. If you doubt your Catholic religion, talk to your priest because there's something wrong with you. There, there must be something that can be said to you to put you on the right path. Um, so it's a privilege for people who, when they doubt, they're offered an alternative explanation, right? Oh, like you ask, like, um, why is God so mean to me? Like, why am I suffering? Why is the world suffering with COVID and all that? Like, it's very much a privilege to hear the alternative answer actually there's no god like everything's quite random and we as human beings need to help each other it's all we've got oh wait uh, let me answer the question about kids um i i don't have kids as a matter of principle um environment and all that and it's also quite a big and i think unnecessary responsibility um it, that does not fit my current circumstances um, so I don't have uh, kids. But if I were to raise kids or advise people on raising kids, um, what you have been saying so far has been good. Like give them the freedom of opinion. Uh, as we say in the RH movement, informed choice. Thank you. I really, really appreciate it. And, and like I said, but, yeah, we're, trying, we're trying to provide that alternative, whatever. But Father, I know, has been... And I'm curious also, Father, because from what I've been hearing from you, you seem to have a sincere desire to kind of allow for an inclusivity, right? That many of us here are struggling to see. So to give space to that, but how do you reconcile also these questions that you're hearing from maybe more progressive or newer people who are coming with these questions? Now, how come the Catholic yeah. Church will not accept me? You know what I mean? I'm my, priesthood, how- my, my priesthood is turning 24 this year, 24 oh, years yeah. this year. Okay? <laughs> That's one. That's a that's a claim that I always take pride. And in my 24 okay. years as a priest, okay, I have never said to anyone else that because of your doubts you will go to hell or you are ostracized socially or according to faith uh, practices. Because in the spiritual sense, objectively, as a Catholic, uh, uh, as a universal uh, sense of direction. To cast doubt is not to be condemned, but to be led to enlightenment. Father, you sound like in my counseling, like would always, more than the rule. So they always Sorry, tell Father, me you're so progressive. Yeah. Uh, uh, you're ah, so uh, uh, progressive. Because that is exactly how it is. I'm talking now about spirituality. In the spiritual sense yes. of a man's uh, perspective, searching for meaning in life, when one is in doubt, 
and that person seeks understanding, that person is on his way or her way to appreciate her, his own condition. Because to doubt about the spiritual things, about the divinity of Jesus, about the existence of God, and about human perspectives, and the one in doubt seeking spiritual perspective is actually a healthy status in life. Think of those saints popular, not just to the Catholics, but even to the realists. Okay? Saint Teresa of Calcutta. If you read her, her history, okay, she expressed in writings the many occasions where she had spiritual aridity, crisis, dryness. And she would talk to a person. Not necessarily to someone who can enlighten her, but to bring out her perspectives. And perhaps from, this, uh, from these occasions where she was able to relate with people, she got enlightenment. And it is not just exclusive to a nun, to a religious person, but even to those who are free thinkers. Because if you are in doubt, what you would like to do to seek enlightenment. And then as Red said, if you are sick, you will go to a doctor. But honestly speaking, I have not said to anyone else, oh, you are, you are in doubt. You are outside the Catholic Church or Catholic faith. I think you're the exception, Father. I think for the most yeah, part. You're more the exception. I think yeah. what, you're, what, you're think sharing here, what you're sharing here that you are somehow ostracized socially or in family gatherings for you have these perspectives are... Actually, occasions where parents, siblings, family members tend to judge you on the basis of your expressions. Not really according to the teachings of the Catholic Church. Because take a look at this. Okay? Take a look at this. There are many Catholics, members of the Roman Catholic Church in the Philippines who do not understand their faith. Mm. There are many. They go. I agree. Right? No, there are many. But then, so what do we need here? We have to educate. We have to have an educated faith and affiliation to a particular set of beliefs. Because in the Catholic Church, we have rituals, as it is in other religions. Orientations. Also, there's, a, there's an instruction manual that um, people are supposed to be reading, but they're not reading. Like it's a very unique Catholic who's read the Bible cover to cover. And I actually encourage people to do so. Please. Read your Bible cover to cover, please. Uh, but let me, um, let me interrupt you, Red. Like, kind of a psychotic God in there, what, bipolar. Sorry. What is what is the set of rules meant for? <laughs> it, it is to it is for us to have order. The laws, traffic laws, village uh, rules and regulations, house rules, and all others. It is meant to put to to give us order in our like slavery. In our human church and in other set of uh, in other religions, there are also it's not just about free activities. We want order so that we would not be in chaos. So that's it. Okay, so I'm going to go back to something that I said some uh, a while ago. I remember when I was having trouble um, coming out and, and figuring out what myself was. I, I was telling the group a while ago um, that I went to an Augustinian priest precisely for confession. And I said, Hey, uh, father, I'm going through this. And 
And there was something that he said that was very clear to me that really worked. And he said, wherever, in, in a very obviously, um, you know, in, in, the right con- in, the, in the right Catholic religious context, wherever you feel peace, God is there, right? So I want to flip this now and stop talking about, you know, Catholicism versus, you know, um, organized religion. And to tell people who are listening to us, um, this is all about living life and about understanding the signals that we get on our day-to-day living that allow us to move forward with confidence and with joy. Religion has done that for many people. It hasn't done that for many others. And I think what's important right here, as human beings, we're talking about humanity, um, is to understand a that, yes, as part of the Filipino diaspora that we are and that you know that that is across the entire world let's acknowledge first of all that this is who we are and this is how we've been raised and this is what exists second let us also say that we as individuals can question life in different ways and take signals on how best to move forward in our own lives, in our own expressions of our own lives. Um, And that's up to us. It's how we take those signals. Obviously, the third part is, let us encourage ourselves to seek those signals in the way that most brings peace to us in whatever way. This is not Muslim, Catholic, Christian, you know, um, the universe is at the end of the day, I think we're all looking here to do good, to move forward with joy, to accomplish lots of stuff. And and that can only come with our own self-interpretation of life, period. So I want to take a stab rather pretentiously at answering my own question earlier, which is maybe talk about... um, you know, my little journey here in terms of religion and spirituality, and, and I answered Red earlier when he asked this question. Because I I agree with Luis, but I also really agree with Red. It like at the end of the day, I was raised Catholic. I hated it. I was taught to meditate at about the age of six. By the age of 10, I couldn't square my my humanity as a young girl with the religion that was being imposed on me in school. It was just, I was always evil all the time. And I really struggled with that for many, many years. So by the time I also never said I would never have kids. I said, I would never get married. And I said, I'd never come back to the Philippines. So basically oh for three. But when I did finally have kids, I had them christened as Anglican because they allow female priests, married priests, and gay priests. And this really spoke to me. And I thought, if my kids are going to want a framework of some sort to try to understand their place in a community in the world, etc., I wanted it to be in a place that actually allows all of that. All that said, what we do really in the house is we meditate every day as a family, right? So we're very spiritual. We believe very much. I talk to my children about my death all the time. I'm like, look, when I'm gone, you're going to feel me in the ether, in the air, because energy does not disappear, it transforms. So I will be in the soil, I'll be in the slug, I'll be in the air, something, 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 fine. And I agree with you that we should all kind of pursue what feels truest and all of this. Where 
I hit a wall is if your religion tells me I'm not a human being. (laughs) If your religion tells me that you have control over my uterus, we might have an issue, right? Um, And that to me is where I, or, you know, Red mentioned very quickly the issue of slavery. You know, Nazism's also like to, to, and yes, granted, a lot of this is an abuse of the text that's supposed to be loving and good and inclusive. But nonetheless, that abuse is in power and can actually enact those things. So if you were to come to me and say, hey, do whatever you want, do whatever you want, fantastic. But if doing whatever you want means that you can eradicate people like me (laughs) or people I love, then then I don't think that that's quite in that same wheelhouse. (laughs) Yeah. On that note. (laughs) (laughs) I think Red wanted to say something. Yeah, um, I agree that there needs to be understanding of whatever you believe. If you're going to believe something, really, you know, try to get into it. Like I mentioned, read the Bible, learn the history of the Catholic Church. Um, People think that the Catholic Church is undoubtedly good in the same way that they usually think that Mother Teresa is undoubtedly good. And uh, I, I disagree with Father. Actually, the reason she didn't become a saint so soon, so fast, uh, like you would assume that she would have been very quickly fast-tracked to sainthood because she's so popular, right? Um, she professed being an atheist as she died. Actually, mm-hmm. like she said, I've been looking for God in all of the places. By the way, the place she looked for God in is the suffering of the people like that she was um, trying to take care of. She literally tortured people in Calcutta, Mm -hmm. and it's coming out in India, like so many um, writings about this as well, like how she tortured people and didn't give them the care they deserved because she believed that suffering people is her way to see God. But at the end of her life, she did not. People need to read about this. Like like you can't just Mm -hmm. assume Mother Teresa's uh, story is a good one Um, in the same way that you can't assume that the Catholic Church's history has ever been a good one from it from the time it started like let's say pope Pius the ninth like he kidnapped a kid and forcibly uh, converted him to um uh, christianity from judaism right like it's it's fraught with all of these abuses of power it's it's enormous you can't even begin to believe it like there was never yeah. a golden age uh but yeah learn learn your and religion I, I, think, I think what you yeah. said is also the golden age was in the architecture <laughs> No, but wait, both both Red and and Father actually touched on this, which is, yeah, it's not just Catholicism. I mean, if we want to talk about policing women's bodies, obviously Islam has its issues as well, right? Right. There are lots, but my I guess I guess what I want to add to that is when you question, and Father also mentioned this, and so let me dig into that. When you question, you're doing a good thing. You are pushing forward whatever it needs to be for you, your spirituality or knowledge or humanity, right? But the questioning is key. To, to give a really stupid example, when the whole Me Too movement was sort of exploding, right? And Louis C.K. was someone who was implicated. My freaking heart broke a little because I thought he was hilarious and cool and whatever. Al Franken, bless his heart. I thought he was an ally for the LGBT community I thought he'd be the one U.S. senator who would be able to take down Trump. I thought he was a staunch feminist, which he, you know, is really known as advocacies. And these old photos came up. To his credit, he stepped down, right? But my point is, if I'm going to be true to allying myself with survivors and believing survivors and saying me too and no more, 
then I also have to be willing to say, you know what, Louis C.K., you were funny and you were cool. You know what, Al Franken, you were an ally and everything, but yeah, <laughs> there's, there's atonement that needs to happen. If you're accountable, fantastic. And let's move forward from there. But I think the, the question is- I still like Al Franken. <laughs> oh, I love Al Franken. And I like the fact that he I resigned. I love Al Franken. I like that he resigned. I, I like that he talked about it. Well, I don't okay. agree. Anyway, that's, I like the fact that anyway, he talks about it. He's not sweeping it under the rug. You know what I mean? No, like, no, I like the fact that he was, yeah. he owned it. But okay, Father, you were going to say. No. Yeah, I just, I just want to go back to how I presented a person who may be in doubt of something and the person mm -hmm. is, in, is, is seeking understanding and enlightenment. That's why I mentioned uh, Mother Teresa of Calcutta as far as in my understanding. Not on, on the account of the fast uh, process for her to become a saint in, to, for people's imitation, those who believe in saints, those who believe in, uh, in, uh, in the Catholic Church. My point there is, there was a time that Mother Teresa of Calcutta, as a human person like any one of us, was in doubt and having that experience of aridity, spiritual aridity. And so she was seeking enlightenment. I was not talking about the process of her being a saint or sainthood or whatever. And then second, part of her spiritual aridity is actually wanting to uh, see in human realities the person of Jesus. Okay, And so uh, some may say Mother Teresa was a failure in the end because she was not able to discover Jesus in, um, in, the, in the human sufferings. Probably some people would say that, but me and us, those who believe in the life of Mother Teresa of Calcutta, when she was still active in helping people, uh, the suffering, she wanted to experience the person of Jesus, the love of Jesus among people who are in human sufferings because of poverty, uh, health condition, and other circumstances in life. So it goes for us also, even if you're a free thinker, one day, you will also have to question your being a free thinker. And uh, one day, if uh, you don't have faith affiliation to a higher being, as Lewis would say earlier, you would also have to question yourself. And then that is partly or probably uh, an area of your aridity, uh, dryness, whether you call it a spiritual dryness, religious dryness, or humanist uh, uh, dryness, or empirical uh, dryness or whatever. So in the end, so the, it is actually the individuality of the person. The question so, is divine. Father, father, but I, mean, I, I appreciate what you're saying also, but it is, it doesn't have my, my well, this is me, huh? At, at your deathbed, and they were trying to do this to Christopher Hitchens, trying to say because he had cancer and everything, they were trying to get him to say, oh yeah, well, now I believe in, you know, to recant everything and say he believes in God. But it, it doesn't necessarily have to be God or whatever you want to call it. Why, why can't it just be like Laura was saying? And I love that idea that you return to, you know, like the whole thing of it's symbolic returning to dust. You actually return you become stardust. You become photons of light. And, you know, you see, you see, you see yourself, you know, you'll be, you'll be in someone else's body, you know, later on, your, your parts of you, atoms of you, you know, and I think that's so much more poetic and beautiful and probably even true because there is a, a scientific basis for that. And the law of, of, 
first law of, of thermodynamics um, expresses that really well. We've covered a lot of stuff, a lot of ground. Um, oh again, I want to, no, I want to take it back. Uh, no, this needs to be, for me, it needs to be useful to the different people that hear us, right? Um, the same way we've, we've all had a different experience of religion as, as, as people, as individuals. Um, we understand to begin with that as Filipinos, religion is an incredibly important part of our lives. We're not here to question if it's good or if it's bad. We are here to probably, I am here today to basically say it is important right but we are all human beings that are allowed to question we are an incredibly young country with more than 50 percent of us nowadays being below the age of what 25 so to everybody out there yes let's the the, the first thing with all of this becomes the issue of acceptance and realization that this is how we've grown up this is who we are. So let's, first of all, get to a level of acknowledgement and realization. Number two, let's move on and say, hey, this is a chance for us to question ourselves, no matter where we're at, and move forward. Um, we can do it with our family or not. Everything's allowed. There's five of us in this uh, forum tonight um, that have had very different experiences, and we're living very, I think, happy successful lives in our ways, right? From being a man of God to a man of non-God to a, a guy who smells of making a dough the a whole day today to, a right? A man of I human mean, rights, right? Yeah. Right? So exactly. So, so the reality is, I think, let's, let's all be here to question um, that ability as Filipinos and say, yes, let's acknowledge that this has become part of who we are. It doesn't need to define us moving forward. And we can actually make a big change um, and assert who we are in the way that we think is proper and not just given to us with a pill. Yeah, so that's exactly what I was going to ask for, actually. Funnily enough, I wanted to welcome everybody to sort of give their parting thoughts. Um, and if they are contrarian, so be it. Right? There's, we're trying to make a space here for everybody. So, Father, why don't you go ahead? Uh, in summary to what Louise had been sharing with us, and some may have claimed free thinkers, not burdened by a particular religion and set of beliefs. We have to remember that as human beings, we have our freedom to think, to will, to love, and to act. God has not removed, if I were to invoke a God whom I believe in the Catholic Church, God has not removed our free will. We are free thinkers, free lovers, okay? free individuals who can pray to the God whom we believe can save us. So in the end, you can probably ask someone to help you as you depart from this world. But that is why it's common, the last will and testament. Okay? It's common, and uh, it's not just the Catholic uh, members of the Catholic Church who would value last will and testament, even non-Catholics, free thinkers, and those who do not have faith in God. So what the Bambina was saying, that what, why does it have to be uh, at your deathbed, you have, to be, uh, you have to be guided to do this and to do that. Remember, even at the end of your 
uh, at the at your last hour here on earth your free will remains intact do i hear an amen amen there are atheists among you in the philippines like sure um we grew up uh, or we were under catholic rule for for centuries right um there were many bad things that happened like there were there are many bad things about our culture that we don't have to perpetuate like we can do better um there are alternatives that are more humanistic that are more feminist that are more equal and we should explore these these are definitely worth exploring um we humanists we uh, free thinkers we believe that uh, this is the only chance we got we only have one life We have to love each other, respect each other. Um, if you're interested in learning more about uh, free thinkers, humanists, atheists, whatever label um, you have, um, do visit our group on Facebook, Filipino Free Thinkers. It's at facebook.com/freethinkers, and we have various groups that you can uh, join. Um, thank you, cool. everyone. Another amen for that. Another amen. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Yeah, so I tend to be much more sort of, I guess, in the sandbox of of red because of my just upbringing and academic history and whatever. Um, I, I again, I guess where I hit a wall is when it comes to actual power structures that can actually put people in jail or actually take away rights or actually police me. For example, you know, when we talk about racism in the United States, if oh. A bunch of, let's say, people of color have issues with white people. No, that's not reverse racism. It's a rather logical response to continued oppression. When you can actually shoot a black man walking down the street for existing, that is an actual, very real power consequence, right? Or you can redline their properties, or you can take away a woman's right to vote, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, to me, fundamentally, I think we all agree on. Honestly, to breathe is prayer. This is a gift that we exist, right? Sat chit ananda, whatever you want to call it. What a gift <laughs> that we can breathe and we are on this earth. That we can treat each other with kindness. Everyone is a human. There is no qualification to that. Humanity is humanity. There's no qualification. Where I hit a wall is if you are gonna use some thing that is quite tangible to hurt another human being or justify their torture or, or jailing or, or murder, then I have an issue. But otherwise, yeah, man. I mean, I think the man we all agree, ideally, we should be able to care for each other and see each other as human beings without qualification. Well, I think you've all summed it up really nicely and according to your specific beliefs. And I, I do lean more towards Red and Laura. And, um, you know, I also um, don't, the other thing that we tend to do here is we equate Um, spirituality with um, or depth we equate depth with religion with with reading the bible and all that and that's just simply not true that's a very reductive way of looking at depth right i think depth of thought um is also you know um questioning things and i think the church actually discourages questioning by the very nature of its organizational structure right this is dogma believe it that's what it is you know and if you don't get out or i mean of course father arnold said he doesn't tell anyone to get out but 
All I'm saying is that, um, you know, um, free to be free of all that. And you need to be, you need to think about these things and you need to question. And it's only in questioning that you get real enlightenment, right? And I think at the end of the day, for me, the most important thing, and this is what being an atheist has taught me or being a humanist has taught me is choose compassion every time. Choose compassion. Amen. Again. Okay. Amen. You believe. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Preach. I mean, Red and Father Arnold, this was, you know, I'm so grateful because we all recognize how loaded a topic this can become. Um, and I personally have a history of <clears throat> a temper. So, you know, I'm <laughs> quite grateful here that you both made time truly and truly and that you were read. I appreciate really and truly how brave you were in bringing up stuff that was hard. If you didn't, maybe we wouldn't have had to talk about that. Father Arnold, I really appreciate yeah. that you, you know, being gracious enough. Yeah. Okay. Sige, let's talk about this. You know what I mean? We're not going to solve all religious topics in an hour, all our you know histories. But I, religion is not Coca-Cola. I'm just saying. It's not. I'm as much saying. as I would love it to be. <laughs> I'm truly appreciative for your time and, and your, you know, your openness. Yes, truly, thank truly. you to both thank of you. you. Thank you, Father. I know you were driving from somewhere. Y'all are going to be entries in my gratitude that. journal tonight. So that's all I'm saying. Thank, <laughs> thank you. you. And truly. thanks so much, Red. Oh, thank you. Uh, Red, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna check out your sites for sure. Huh? Thank you. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. Thank you, Eve. Red, thank, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Bye. 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 Thank you. Take care. Bye. Bye. World peace. World peace. Namaste. Namaste. Okay. So. So wasn't that heavy? Ooh, but my goodness. No, it was good. Uh, it was incredible. I I really enjoyed it. And it, it it's something that is so core to us. And it's so important to talk about. We we could keep on going on and on and on. I, I want to take away something that I've made for my own day-to-day -day living, which is mm. any religion is not going to define me as a person, right? I can choose whatever faith, whatever. Um, group of tenets I believe in. But at mm. the end of the day, I think what's important is, Bambina, what you said at the end, let's all just choose being kind to each other and making inclusivity a human value and not a religious approach. Right. Not a matter of dogma and adhering to a certain set of tenets. Absolutely. I, think that was a I really loved, I mean, Look, I didn't know what to expect. And I was a little worried at one point, you know, so our listeners know, because this is such an impassioned topic, right? So I was really concerned at one point we were going to get to sort of trying to solve all of our major religious, oh my God, Childhood everything problems. that has to do with it. It was a little bit of whataboutism there, right? It was a little bit of whataboutism, which is like, okay, well, we're veering away from the topic, but nevertheless, I mean, there's a lot, if we really wanted to delve into every major religion, institution, power structure on the planet, we could do that, but it just won't happen here now, right? I think, you know, exploring, for me, I really like the idea, and look, as Filipinos, we don't have to be religious at all, diba? We don't even have to be, so we don't have to be Catholic, we don't have to be Islamic, we don't have to be 
atheists. We don't have to be really, we don't have to be anything but compassionate and kind. If I think, believe in I, I beings, think that believe in Filipinos, beings. for a lot of Filipinos, that's a different, differentiating factor. The religious, mm. the religious and the Catholicism, especially. Right. Because that's what sets them apart from you know, people abroad or something, they're the ones, they're always the ones that go to, Filipinos are always the ones that go to church. They're the, always the ones that pray for every, everywhere in the world. The churches are full of Filipino, you know, OFWs, you know, kind of attending the services, majority. Yeah, so I, I think, unfortunately, we tend to associate, we tend to associate characteristics and values with a thing. So, for example, yeah. I also hear like, in women in business empowerment conferences, right? If I'm going to speak, one of the favorite things that always comes up that I hate all the time is, no, no, women should be in business because, you know, women, how we lead, we're nicer. Or, you know, how women are, right? we have a more feminine, softer heart. And I'm like, that's all taught. That's bread. That's society. That's not necessarily, quote, in our genetic sex. It isn't. That's learned. So when we say things, I think this is where part of that comes from, Bambina, to your point. When Filipinos say, alam mo naman yung mga Pinoy napakalambing natin, ang babait natin, we're so warm, we're so ganyan. Because they associate, kasi Catholic tayo, kasi we believe in God, kasi yeah. ganyan, ganyan. But the truth but of the matter is, that just might be our culture. It isn't necessarily it, it, it because... It might be learned. I mean, there, there are a few other things as well, right? I mean, but it's I, the conflation of culture and Catholicism. Yeah. So at the end of the day, what we're talking about, so again, at the end of the day, whether it's religion or anything else, what I'm hearing from the entire episode is we need to question ourselves much more and in many other levels, because it's only with awareness and consciousness that we will be able to make choices that are much more conscious for our lives. And that to me has nothing to do with religion. Or anything else, but it has to do with us allowing ourselves to question things, not in a bad way, not saying, oh, religion is bad, I'm going to question this, I'm going to tear it down. No, it's about being aware of who we are and every single thing that makes us who we are. At that point of awareness, then we can move forward with joy and with confidence. Amen again. You've said that before, you've said that before, that, I mean, you mentioned in a previous episode that Filipinos in general, and I also, I agree with you. I also say this. We don't like question ourselves. We don't like to go deep into, because maybe we won't like the answers that they reveal, right? You know? It's about, let's do it. I mean, digressing a little bit from that, I mean, the question actually means we won't accept anymore what's happening to us on, on a, you know, governmental level and all that, right? I mean, all these things are all or if many of us question and realize that the answer is different, yes. we will make a change. Exactly. And that's what you're yes. here for. Yeah. Okay. But it's work. It's that's work. Folks. Who said I it mean, wasn't work? Flip front, back, left, <laughs> right, center. Um, I think this was, you know, and I really appreciate because it's such an impassioned topic. So thank you both. And thank you again to our guests. Okay. for approaching it truly with, you know, a level of, sincere curiosity and bravery but not i'm going to take you down <laughs> you know which is something yes, there's too much sure. in the world there's, there was so, no animosity <laughs> <laughs> thank you for joining us thanks god thanks god <laughs> thanks god <laughs> thanks god, <laughs> thanks god. <laughs>
well. Was it worth it? Did we work it? Put that thing down. Flip it and reverse it. Keep flipping with us. Subscribe to Flipping the Narrative wherever you get your podcasts to listen to our new episodes as soon as they drop. We are on social media too. Follow at Flipping the Narrative on Instagram and Facebook and let us know what you think. Or send us an email at flippingthenarrative.podcast at gmail.com. That's flippingthenarrative.podcast at gmail.com. Music courtesy of Cumbia Mamacita by Yoki of Ozen Beats. And thank you, thank you, thank you to Josel Gaston, our sound editor and musical engineer and podcast advisor and overall guru, and to Nami Kapati, the artist who created our awesome logo and visuals. Till we flip again.